I wonder how much uh, Joseph and Mary had to stand up and sit down that, that evening, because we did a lot of standing up and sitting down tonight. I just was made aware of that. This is the night that we celebrate the birth of our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, may the meditation, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I am reading tonight two other scriptures, one from John chapter 1 and the other one from Revelation 21. John chapter 1, hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true life that that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Then in John's revelation, chapter 21, verses one through four. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, and it was saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Brothers and sisters, as we usher in our Lord's birth tonight, I want to offer you three images or scenes that have happened to me over my life, my years, and especially during the holidays. Perhaps you can relate or resonate with some of these scenes as well as uh, you can find out what they hold in common. The first image is when I served as a pastor. I often found Advent and Christmas season a challenge. It was when I was serving back east and my counseling load increased because of the situations people faced, 
with family get-togethers, the recent loss of possibly a loved one, and many feeling simply alone or depressed or lost because, well, it was the holidays. Then there were several services to plan for. We held special Advent services throughout the season, and sometimes also we had up to three Christmas Eve services. I also had responsibilities as a fire department chaplain and headed up the local clergy association. Both consumed a considerable amount of time. It seemed I was showing up for work and events with the week that led up to Christmas Eve. Then I would have a meltdown, ask my family to forgive me, and get through the rest of the couple of days ahead with a smile, only to be a total waste on December 26th. I can, sure, I can assure you that many of you can relate to this next image that I have. It's from some of my past holidays, and I'm sure you've experienced some of this as well. You have family coming from out of town. You want everything to be perfect for them. You exchange a flurry of phone calls and emails about who's going to sleep where and is it okay to bring the dog. You also are thinking about how the friend you invited for Christmas dinner is going to somehow fit in with the family dynamics, etc., etc., etc. You go through a frenzy of shopping, baking, cooking, and come Christmas Day, you are wondering about that gravy, and you certainly don't want the mashed potatoes to show up like they did last year. Your attempt to run the kitchen is failing. You get the point. It comes to saying goodbye to your guests, and as you give them a hug, you realize that you haven't taken the time to have any real meaningful conversations with them. When they finally leave, you collapse in a heap and all you can think of is staring at the Christmas tree or binge watching Netflix. Here's the third scene. You feel something empty or lacking in the cozy Christmas with friends and family. Your heart breaks for people having a tough time, maybe living out in the cold and poverty, or as we've seen on the news, simply trying to survive a war. So you gather some gifts for a local charity, you adopt a pair of goats for a third world family, or give generously to the needs of those facing tough times. Stomachs are filled, a bit of cheer is given, perhaps even hope is renewed. I want to suggest this evening that these three scenes are all based on one tiny word. It's the word for, F-O-R. When we care for those in tough times, we want to do something for them. We want our house guests to enjoy their Christmas visit. We spend our whole time doing things for them whether cooking, cleaning, or arranging activities to keep them busy. Or when the season becomes a mass of events, all good and wonderful, but taking little time to be alone with God or be fully present with others because 
you're always on and you're always doing something for someone else. It's the word of an admirable person. The word that sums up the spirit of Christmas. We cook for, we buy presents for, we offer charity for, all to say we lay down our lives in some shape or form for the good of others. And this matters because they sum up a whole life in which we try to make our relationships better, try to make the world a better place. We try to offer the love of Christ, our Lord and our Savior, in very special ways to others. But there's a problem here. All these acts of goodness are generous, kind, and in some cases, even sacrificial. They're good. They're warm-hearted. They're admirable. Yet somehow they don't get to the heart of the problem. You wear yourself out in showing hospitality but, hospitality, but you've never actually had that conversation with your loved ones. You try to make a difference for those with greater need, but the poor are still strangers to you. As a pastor, your counsel may be helpful for others except for those closest to you. For is a fine word, but it doesn't overcome the misunderstanding or anxiety over trying to be your best. And it doesn't overcome how isolated one may feel. Most of all, for isn't how God celebrates Christmas. God doesn't set the world aright at Christmas. In some ways, we wish God would. We would love world peace centered on our Savior with our efforts playing a part. Sometimes we may think God isn't keeping his side of the bargain to do things for us, but for isn't what God shows us at Christmas. God shows us and speaks to us a different word. It is the word with. The angel tells Joseph, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. God is with us. In John's gospel, which we read tonight, we get the summary of what Christmas means. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, with us. The word is with God, and without him, not one thing came into being, says John. With, with, with. It is the word that lies at the heart of Christmas and knowing Christ. It's the heartbeat of the love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is the hope of the entire creation. And it is why Jesus, when at the home of Martha and Mary, praised Mary, who was with Jesus, while her sister Martha was busy about doing things for others. Think of how Jesus concludes his ministry. His very last words in Matthew's gospel are this, Behold, I am with you always. Whatever happens to us, 
There will never be a time when he is not with us. It's Jesus being among us and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Then at the very end of the Bible, when the book of Revelation describes God's final announcement of our destiny, a voice from heaven says, behold, the home of God is with us. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his people and God will be with them. God's entire purpose and action are shaped by the word with, to be with us. Well, let's be honest. In many ways, with is harder than for. Doing for someone is often easier because the gift of being with that someone asks much more of our time, our energy, and our space. Maybe our attempts at giving those in need may seem hollow because more than anything, they need our gift of presence with them. Or it may seem better to keep that certain person or family member at arm's length, call or text them rather than invite them over, not knowing when they may leave. But the good news never, ever settles for the word for. Now, let's not forget, for is important. Jesus was for us when he taught and healed. He was and is for us and our salvation as he went to the cross, as he came to us through his resurrection and ascended then to the Father. But the power of those things for us was based on his being with us. And this is the good news of Christ and his birth. So in the coming year, ask yourself, how will I celebrate this good news? How will I be with others, with people in their loss and sadness, with those who have little? How will I listen to and walk alongside of them? Is my doing for someone coming from a deep place to be with them? Am I seeking to be with God rather than rushing around trying to do so many things for God? Let's remember Jesus going to the cross always, always chose to be with us before doing anything for us. Sometimes we want God to fix us and spare the relationship, but that's not God's way, and neither is it ours as his people. One word, one word makes such a difference. God is with us. Brothers and sisters, Merry Christmas. Our Savior is born.